Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Pond, Artistic Director of Eclectic Full Contact Theater, welcoming you to this special preview of Dilty Moss by Emma Dawson, the upcoming episode of The Half Hour Audio Hour, premiering May 9th. Dilty Moss tells the story of Eloy, a man who discovers just what lengths he'll go to to help protect his friend from a fate possibly worse than death. What follows is an interview with the director of Dilty Moss, Sophie Flack, talking about why she loves audio drama, what the process of working between two different countries was like, and just what the weirdest tradition she ever ran into was. We hope you enjoy. All right, so... <clears throat> Sophie, uh, yes. Uh, so my first question is, what drew you to the project in the first place? Um, well, I just really liked the script. Um, as you say, I really, um, I really like Emma's writing. I think she's very bold as a writer. Um, I, lo- I mean, I like sort of strong melodramatic type stories anyway. So I loved that. I love the drama of this kind of strange cult and then the kind of slide into sort of sci-fi and futurism. Um, I really like the rhythm and pacing of her scripts. Like I said, she's kind of bold in that she has these kind of big rhythm changes, these big thought and emotional changes. Um that when I read her script, I felt like I could really see what she was doing. And I love that, you know, it's very dramatic, um, but it's also very real. It, you know, it's how, mm-hmm. how we are as people. I think sometimes, sometimes writers, I th- there's a fear sometimes, isn't there, of being unnatural or over the top, um, which I agree can go wrong. But then also in real life, people are, People have extreme experiences, you know, people when they speak will change rhythm and have sudden emotions or they'll talk about a story and they'll, and it will suddenly they'll feel that emotion again. Do you know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. we as humans have, as you said earlier in the other interview, so many different sides to ourselves that are always bubbling under the surface and one side will pop up and then suddenly another side will pop up. And I feel like this script does that with Eloy. So I really enjoyed kind of exploring that. Wonderful. Now, I know the answer to this question from the <laughs> many, many answers in the in the last interview. So this is not the first audio drama that you've directed. No. And so um, I'll ask you sort of the same question. Mm. How was this process for doing this one different from the process of the other audio dramas that you've you've directed? Um, I'd say this one was different because we had the writer with us. Um, so Emma was able to attend one of the rehearsals as well as the recording session. Um, and that was great actually, because whenever we would hit a moment or a line that, you know, I wasn't quite sure of, or the actor wasn't quite sure of, you know, we could ask Emma and actually I really enjoyed her answers because sometimes they really surprised me. Um, Mm -hmm. and they kind of made me see the script in a totally new way. And, you know, because some of the moments are quite paired, some of the dialogues quite paired down in some moments. Um, Mm -hmm. so learning what Emma's intentions behind those lines were, was really interesting and really exciting because it kind of made me go, oh, this is a totally different moment to what I thought it was. Um, and you know, you don't, if the writer isn't there, you don't have that. So there are things I feel like I might've missed if Emma hadn't been with us. 
So yeah, I kind of really enjoyed that. Now, um, so you have directed a number of, of audio dramas. Mm-hmm. So my, my question then is, uh, what is it that you like about a medium that relies on, on basically one sense? What is it about audio drama that sort of, that, that, that draws you to it? I, I love it because it's sort of film and theatre rolled into one in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it has the intimacy of film and film stories and performances because, you know, when you listen, the actors are so close and they are inside your head. Um, mm-hmm. And you can really hear their emotions and feel their emotions. Do you know what I mean? You're really connected to them. Whereas on stage, unless you're in a small studio show, the actors are very far away. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of having to take the performance in a slightly different, larger way, you know. Um, But it's also theatrical in the sense of actors also, when, when you're doing voice work, you are still sort of taking it taking it a little bit further, like putting putting more emotion into your voice. That kind of sounds mm-hmm. like I'm completely contradicting myself because I'm saying it's intimate and theatrical. <laughs> so maybe I should restart my answer to that. Um, no, see, see the, 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 the fun thing is I understand what I understand what you mean because you which which either means that you're far clearer than you think or you and I simply have exactly the same kind of weird way of thinking um <laughs> and if and if it's the latter i'm so sorry no. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah go, go go ahead i mean it's imaginative but it's also intimate i think you feel really connected to the characters and also mm-hmm. i think when you're listening if the actors aren't connected to the truth of what they're saying you can really hear it so i oh, think yeah. that's a challenge as a director and as an actor if you're not connected or if you're dialing it in you can't get away with it in audio because people will hear it and they'll get bored. Um, so that's kind of a challenge. And I also, I love the imaginative side of it that, you know, audiences are imagining what they think the world looks like, what they think the characters look like. Um, mm-hmm. And you're using the kind of music and the sound effects to sort of tweak people's emotions as well. But I feel like the audience is still having to use their imagination slightly more than you would say in a film when everything is just mm-hmm. kind of given to you. So I think that's quite exciting. I know that a lot of, one of the things uh, that we've been noticing over here in, in America is that a lot of theater companies, uh, because of the pandemic, have sort of switched to trying to do um, audio work because it's, we can do it as, as, as we've proven mm. remotely. Um, but as somebody who's directed a, a number of these uh, and, and really likes the medium, what do you think the future of the medium might be post-pandemic? Do you think that this is something that people are going to sort of stick with or or do you see this as being something that might be more just sort of like a a quick bridge just to keep things going until we get back to, to, to doing things live? What, what's kind of your your thought about the future of it? I mean, I guess in a way that will be dictated by audiences. Um, mm. I mean, I'd, I'd like audio drama to become more popular because certainly, you know, people love listening to podcasts. Um, you know, everyone who has their smartphones will listen to them, you know, on commutes or around the house or whatever. But the most popular podcasts tend to be 
more like interviews or chat shows mm-hmm. or, you know, like Duncan was saying, people talking about football and or comedians. And, and I love those podcasts as well. And that's great. Nothing against them. But my sort of hope or my, my dream would be that, that drama, audio drama, audio comedy also kind of breaks into podcasts and become more mainstream that people listen to, you know, they don't just watch drama and comedy on Netflix and Amazon Prime or whatever, but they also listen to it. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't know how to make that happen. Because at the moment, I don't know about the USA, but in the UK, audio drama is sort of really dominated by the BBC. It has a particular mm-hmm. kind of style. And only really, it's a particular kind of audience from a particular age group, particular social class that will mm-hmm. listen to those shows. So then that becomes only certain kinds of shows get made that then appeal to their target audience. Right. So... Right. I'd also sort of two parts. So on the one hand, I, I'd love, I love audiences and young audiences to get into audio drama via podcasts and listen to them on their phones. Um, mm-hmm. And if that were to happen, I think also creating audio drama would be great for theatre companies um, because it's a great way to sponsor new writing and it's quicker mm-hmm. and more cost-effective, I think, to get scripts up than to say you know, put on a a full show of a a script that perhaps no one knows the writer. It might be a slightly risky or different, difficult topic. So it's going to be harder to get people to come and see your show in a venue than to get them to give it a go and listen to it. So, you know, and in the UK, um, you know, a sort of the jumping off point for a lot of professional writers is radio, you know, BBC and Radio 4. And then mm-hmm. that's the jump off point for them to then get into TV. So I feel like for theatre, young theatre writers, it would be great if doing, you know, theatre companies were doing audio recordings of their scripts. And that became a jumping off point for them, you know, getting into more full productions of theatre shows. So other companies who may not know that writer could be like, oh, well, I can listen to their audio production. And then mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I trust that. I like that. I've heard, I've seen, I've heard what it sounds like. We'd be willing to do an, a full production, a full fish show, which is obviously right. more expensive by that writer. Right. No, I think that the, um, we don't have quite the uh, same kind of uh, <clears throat> organization as you do uh, with, mm. with the BBC. It's not quite, audio, audio is not quite the, uh, the thing over here. Um, mm. as far as, as drama goes, but I, 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 I like that idea that you're talking about. And one of the things that we're trying to figure out is how do we continue to do this after live stuff opens? And I like mm. the idea of almost using it as a workshop, um, process f- to help develop new scripts and new mm. writers and everything. I think that that's a great way of going and, and just you know, being able to bring things, uh, one of the things I love about it is that it can bring uh, scripts to a much wider audience because people can listen anywhere there. I mean, w- this is a perfect example of it. I mean, you know, the the writer, the director, all the cast over in the UK, we're over here in Chicago. Now, the people who listen to what we do over here now are going to be able to hear Emma's script, mm. where if you were producing that locally over there people over here weren't going to be able to see it and vice versa you know we have some stuff that we've 
put up that are, are being listened to around the world. So I, I, I think it's a, I hope that, I hope that what you want to have happen happens and we're, yes. gonna, we're, we're trying to do what we can to make that happen. Cause I would like to see it um, become significantly more popular over here and more accessible over here. Um, so I mean, Fingers maybe it will, I, because there are so many things post-coronavirus that have worked really well in the digital sense that yeah. I think will carry over into sort of whatever normal life we go back into. I mean, something I've also enjoyed is that, you know, like you say, we're able to work with people in other countries. I mean, this is a wonderful experience now, you know, even just having this conversation and comparing our mm-hmm. different sort of countries' experiences of, of radio and new writing. Um and I've worked on a few different shows like this where we've had, you know, people in France, people in Canada, people in the USA, people in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I love that. It's so exciting. And yeah, for that, to I, conti- I, have, I think that will continue. No, I have, I have no doubt that it will. I think that this has opened up something that, that people aren't going to want to get away from mm. too quickly by going back. So hopefully that's, that'll, that'll happen. Um, and of course... My favorite. Uh, what is the oddest tradition you've ever encountered? <laughs> I was trying to think about that. Um, maybe the oddest embodiment of a tradition. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, <laughs> I don't know how to sound, say this without sounding. I don't know, something. Um, uh, when I was in, in backpacking um, in, in Vietnam, there's a, a small village um, called Dalat, which is locally known as Chicken Village. Um, and it's basically a sort of fairly, you know, standard rural village, farm village. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of the village is this absolutely massive kind of 15 foot concrete statue of a chicken. Um, and, and it looks almost like a sort of cartoon chicken. It's kind of big and it's random and it's really kind of in your face. Um, and it is it is there because um, for centuries in, in this village, and women could only get married if they had a dowry. Um, so, and the, you know, the dowry would usually be livestock, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. as it was a farm farming village and uh you know so the poorer women were struggling to find good husbands obviously because they couldn't they couldn't bring enough with their dowry and there was mm-hmm. one um young woman who was in love with a, a young man she wanted to marry him and she didn't have anything to bring so she went out into the forest um in order to find some wild chickens so that she could marry this man um and got lost in the forest and then the the young guy apparently you know, heard about this and went out looking for her and he got lost in the forest as well. And I don't know how they both died, but, but they did. I, I think maybe they fell oh. off a cliff or something. But anyway, so both these young, poor young people were found dead because they were looking for these wild chickens so they could get married. So the kind of elders of the village built what was originally a wooden chicken. They've now replaced the wooden one that's in the museum somewhere. It's, they've made the concrete replica. But the elders of the village built in the village this enormous wooden chicken is a sort of reminder to themselves and almost to create a dowry for any of the poor young women. Um, <laughs> and they kind of got rid of this rule, you know, so that people could marry whoever they wanted and they didn't have to bring a dowry that they didn't have. So I kind of really like that because it's quite a, a dark story, although it's a positive one. But it's also when you look yeah. at a picture of this chicken, it's, <laughs> it's very weird. 
<laughs> As you're telling me this story of 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 of, of this, Chicken this poor this poor couple, yeah. all I'm thinking is the sequel to Dilty Moss. <laughs> Is the story of Chicken Village? It's just, it's yeah, just, it it's amazing. It's amazing to me. That is, that that is, everything about that is 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 wonderful. Um, as as far as traditions go, it's horrible that those people ended up having to go through that. But it's 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 an amazing story. I, <laughs> wow, a giant concrete chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, that is that is everything that that I have uh, for you, Sophie. Just once again, thank you so much for uh, being willing to do this and and uh, well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed working with yourselves, with Emma, with everyone. Yeah, it's been a wonderful experience. Thanks for listening to this special preview of Dilty Moss by Emma Dawson premiering May 9th on the Half Hour Audio Hour. Please like, follow, subscribe, or drop a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard and want to help support the Half Hour Audio Hour and Eclectic's mission to highlight the work of women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus artists, you can donate directly at redcircle.com slash shows slash half-hour-audio-hour. Or you can keep it casual by going to buymeacoffee.com slash EFCT, where you can make a one-time donation. And don't forget about Eclectic Full Contact Theater's other serialized audio drama podcasts, Bloody Bay, Clusterfuck, Deep Shadows, Monocyte, and Throwing Shade. Find them wherever you listen to podcasts, or visit us at eclectic-theater.com to find them all in one place. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.